Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who, yes, Cheryl Crow, he is strong enough to be your man. Here's my co-host from the left coast and my favorite mistake. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean. So for this episode, we have a special guest. She is the woman behind the hashtag on Instagram, don't doubt my witchcraft. I'm super excited to have her join us because I'm absolutely in love with the song The Wind from a few years ago. Uh, her last full-length record came out a few years ago entitled Soft Power, but she's been releasing some really great singles along the way, including recent singles Carry Me Home and Universe Promises. Please welcome to the podcast, Doe Paro. Hey. Did I say the name right? You did. Perfect. All right. So I've been known to slaughter a few names, so that's good. <laughs> All right, so premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each podcast episode, I ask the all-important question. So, uh, Wayne, I'm going to start with you. What T-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a uh, – it's a Bob Dylan shirt, I guess you would call it. It's, uh, it's like a highway sign. It says Highway 61 and then uh, Revisited. Perfect. All right. How about you, Doe? I, I guess I missed the memo on the T-shirt, so I'm wearing a, <laughs> a, a button-down, a black button-down linen situation. I'm in D.C. right now, so it's pretty muggy. Feeling good yeah. about it. <laughs> All right. Are you from D.C.? I'm not. Okay. Where Where are you from originally? Um, I'm from central New York in Syracuse. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. Ever been there? <laughs> Um, I have actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. We were actually supposed to be up in Niagara for family vacation, uh, last month. And, um, of course with all the COVID crap, we, uh, we canceled that. So sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm wearing a new shirt. Wayne, I've been meaning to wear this a couple episodes ago, but I'm wearing my, uh, my Neil Young Harvest album cover t-shirt. Hey, nice. <laughs> nice. And, one. uh, and it's and it's even that light yellow tint. The entire shirt is that light yellow tint. And my wife says that is the most ridiculously ugly shirt I've ever seen. Um, so <laughs> strong words. She's not a Neil Young fan either. So um, in fact, when we were first married, um, anytime she wanted to take a nap on one of our road trips, she was like, "Hey, would you put in Neil Young?" <laughs> <laughs> And so the fact that I'm wearing a Neil Young shirt, you know, I think she just looks at it and she's like, it's ridiculous, but all right. (laughs) All right. Um, All right. Well, uh, Doe, so I live outside of Orlando. You were recently on a fellow Central Floridian podcast called The Marinade with Jason Earl. Yes. I try and check out most of Jason's episodes. I'm hoping he is uh, doing that likewise. Uh, You guys covered a lot of ground about the creative process, which is really kind of, uh, that's kind of Jason's podcast talking about the creative process. So how are you, how are you doing creatively considering we're all doing the social distancing thing and there's no live music and all that good stuff? You know, my creativity is, I think it's a little bit slower than usual. Um, the coping, the adaptation to this new way and the coping with, how much is in flux right now and unknown is uh, yeah. it turns out that it takes a lot of energy. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's the reality of it. And I have a lot of um, other friends who are artists who've been sharing similar sentiments. So 
I'm just like kind of taking everything in and I'm sure at some point it'll come out into something else. Yeah. I was listening to, um, to your singles on my morning walk yesterday. I was trying to do it, do it on Spotify. Uh Um, and I had that setting that if you finish an album or a song, they create a radio station based on that song or album. And I got to tell you that, um, for the listeners, if you do that with one of those singles, you're going to have a really cool experience. That was a great (laughs) walk. That, That was a really great walk. All right. So have you ever done that to your own music? I haven't. And now I'm like super curious about who came up. Okay. So I even made a list. Amazing. You ready? Yes. All right. Me. All right. So this was based on your single Midnight Choir. All right. So first, first song, and I should have written down the song title, but I didn't. Uh, the first song came up, it was Sharon Van Etten. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, wow. Next. Next was Bat for Lashes. I don't know them. Do you know Bat for Lashes? Yes, Natasha. She's um, a British songwriter and singer. She's she's amazing. Gotcha. Um, so am I going to need to go check her out now? Definitely. Check her out. Okay. Uh, next song was Twin Shadow. Oh, cool. All, all my friends. <laughs> oh, is it? Is it? Yeah. Is that why? Okay, that's why the 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 radio station so that was that was cool there's some good 80 synth going on and mm-hmm. i think the song was called five seconds okay yeah that was i think like maybe his first record okay that was good um then your song with sun little shadows yep and then sylvan esso am i saying that name right mm-hmm. um i should have wrote the song down i didn't um, then it was Feel Your Weight from Rye. Okay. I don't know that. R-H-Y-E. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right. No, you are. Yeah, it's Rye. Okay. I saved that one in my uh, Discovery playlist. Yeah, some so, really, really nice stuff there. Another Sharon Van Etten song, Our, Our Love. Oh, wow. I'm honored because I love Sharon Van Etten so much. Oh, my gosh. She's such a good songwriter. She's so great. And she's really cool. I got to meet her um, once, and she's just a really nice person. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There was Polica. Am I saying oh, that right? Polisa. Polisa. Yeah. Okay. Um, song called Steady, which I didn't get into. I think I skipped that one. Okay. Um, then it was Perfume Genius. Song called Valley. I don't know if I know that song. Yeah. And then Purity Ring. And mm. I didn't write I didn't write down the the, the the song. And then and then your song, and then I was done with my walk. So then the wind came up. Aw. Wow. Which was my introduction to you several years ago. I'm not sure even where, because it was on one of my little discovery playlists that I put together. Was it a KEXP song of the day or something? You know what? I did do um, a session with KEXP, one of those live sessions. So Totally possible that was the situation. I'll go on record saying this is the Boney Vare song that he wishes he would have written. (laughs) But you know he was involved with this song, right? He was? No, I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know that. Well, it was so funny. So I wrote I wrote the song with my friend Adam. Um we I was doing all my co-writing with him at the time, and we were producing everything ourselves. And then it got to a certain point where we were like, you know what, something's missing production-wise, but I don't know. We're like, we need to bring somebody else in to produce it. And I don't know who it is because we never brought in a producer before. So okay. so we were like, you know, it sounds like something Boney Bear would want to work on. And we just cold reached out to his manager 
I was not on a label at the time. I was totally independent. And they actually wrote us back and were like, yeah, he loves this song. And he produced it. He wow. finished it all. All right. Well, forget what I just said about it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. Uh, You, have you listened to a song that he did with Taylor Swift? I, it's been uh, trending in my house right now. <laughs> it's like my most listened to song for the past week. I'm kind of obsessed with it. It is, and it, it gets you, because I actually didn't really respond to it on the first listen, and then it kind of just comes back on loop. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. So good. Um, so I watched a bunch of your videos prepping for this episode. So you did a really great cover of... Fleetwood Mac's Silver Springs. Thank you. Who so who broke your heart for you to sing that song? Oh my gosh. I how many how many heartbreaks? <laughs> so many. <laughs> I can really relate to that song. It's amazing. It's one of the best ever breakup songs. I completely agree. Yeah. Uh and it's probably my favorite live performance ever. So have you watched the dance? The of Silver Springs? Yes. No, I haven't. Oh, you need to watch. So you need to watch the live performance. This is when Fleetwood Mac got back together. Okay. What was that? 90, 97, Wayne? Is it 97, 98? Yeah, right in there. So the just watch the video of it because Stevie starts singing. So she wrote that totally for uh, Lindsay. So that was written around the rumors time frame. Mm-hmm. And when she starts singing it and towards the the end of the song where, you know, you'll never escape the I don't I'm gonna slaughter the Yeah, words, yeah. But, I, I know exactly what part you're talking about. But she's she's totally looking at Lindsay the entire time while she's singing that. She's a witch. I love her. Oh my gosh. It's so <laughs> um, good. Something that's really cool about that song, because I read Stevie Nicks biography, is that she actually gave all the publishing on that song to her mom. So it's in her mom's name. Oh wow. I did oh, not know cool. that. Yeah. How much money do you think your mom has made over the uh, years? For that I think she's uh, she's doing fine. She's doing what, all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I loved your song in video blind. Oh, thank you. That's not on an album, right? No, because that's actually another... Oh, I have two songs, but I, Blind is a cover. I have a song called I'll Go Blind, which is on my first record. And then Blind okay. is um, a Hercules and the Love Affair cover. Oh, okay. So that's no, that's why it's not on a record. Yeah. Okay. Because you, you put out a lot of singles as opposed to just like full-on albums, at least lately. Yeah. Is that kind of a conscious thing that you're doing with that? Definitely. You know, just sort of, I'm, I'm, every time I make a record, it's always taken so long to put it out. Yeah. And I think the way the world is moving, it feels very responsive. So I'm enjoying just like making a song that responds to the moment and releasing it. 
um, as opposed to kind of waiting three years or the record process that way. Is it easier from a marketing standpoint to put out singles? I think it's easier. I don't know. There's two schools of thought. I think records have a longer life. They're more substantial. People sort of consume singles in a way that feels like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's fast food almost. (laughs) Um, But uh, it is easier to just like be participating, I think by putting out singles. Yeah. I'm I, I'm just asking because I'm I'm curious on how the world is responding these days to, um, you know just just from a marketing standpoint of the podcast that, mm-hmm. you know when we talk about, uh these kind of long lost records yep we don't have a great response rate from. You know, from a download perspective and a sharing perspective, but when we do episodes like REM's Automatic for the People or, you know, U2's Acting Baby, I mean, we have Gin Blossom's New Miserable Experience, for mm-hmm. instance. I mean, we have like these great reactions because of those kind of things. So I'm just kind of curious if, uh, you know, how, how people are responding to your music, if they want to consume full on records or if they're just wanting those tasty little morsels of singles that uh, more and more people are, are doing these days. Yeah. I think a lot of people are into singles in this moment. I still really have a lot of um, respect for the craft of making an album. And I definitely think that's in my future, you know, working towards that but it definitely seems the way things have, are moving with streaming is that singles are, are the norm. When you put a bunch of singles together for a record, like what are you looking for from a sequencing standpoint? Oh yeah. I love that question because I think about sequencing a lot, you know, sometimes it's kind of like putting a puzzle together when you're making a record at the end, at least for me, I'm like, well, what was this record about? Cause it's hard to know when you're going through it. And, um, and then I start thinking, well, how can I tell this story in a way that's engaging? So I, I think of it as like a beginning middle end for the period that it was written in. I know that, you know, maybe more, um, like from a pop standpoint, you would just put the single at the very beginning. Right. Yeah. That's my hot was, take. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was, I was curious because uh, I've, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about it because, uh, you know, Wayne, we've we've done a couple records recently. We we did we recorded an episode last week for Sufjan Stevens, and um, that was more of a concept record as opposed to like the the record that we're going to talk about today, which feels more like, um specific chapters kind of feels Mm -hmm. like like i'm reading a raymond carver short story book as opposed to i'm reading a novel you know Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah anyways that's where my 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 brain has been lately so um so doe let's talk about the 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 recent single so carry me home where uh where was the inspiration for for that particular song well actually carry me home isn't um my song i was just a featured artist on it oh okay so um, that's one of the, it might be the only song, you know, there's another one I've done where I haven't been a part of the writing and I've just been um, brought on to sing 
Spirit. Oh, okay. What was the other one? Uh, the other one was by this artist called L. K. McKay. He's an uh, Australian artist, and years ago, I um, sang a verse on one of his songs. Oh, okay, cool. Well, how about Universe Promises? That's yours. Yeah, that's mine. Um, you know, that song is like just it's inspired by my greater faith in the universe and the faith in um, things ultimately working out for the best, which is a song I've needed to play for myself during this time <laughs> to remind yeah. myself that I think that, that that is like my personal philosophy. But um, yeah, you know, I was ending a bunch of things when I wrote this in August of 2019, I guess I am um, a bunch of different aspects of my life were coming to a close and I, was excited and curious about what was coming next instead of nervous about the endings or attached to it. And I was so grateful because that's not been the case for many times in my life that were similar. It's been a, it's been an interesting year for, for me as well. So, mm-hmm. um, I just celebrated one year, Wayne, last, uh, what, about four weeks ago, celebrated one year of new job. Oh, congratulations. Um, and, um, this, this year has been, well, we'll be approaching in a couple of weeks, um, be approaching one year without my dad. So it's, wow. it's been just kind of a weird year for sure. Yeah anniversaries are really meaning intense and meaningful in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you throw on, you know, the world that we live in right now. So mm-hmm. all sorts of weirdness. Um, so I know you cope just because I, I, I know this from, from the episode you did with Jason. So you cope a lot with meditation and with yoga. Mm-hmm. So, so, so tell me how you got interested in, in that. Um, kind of just by meeting people who <laughs> I have to say, like there had been a few times, a few people I'd met um, between the age of 18 and 24 uh, pre my meditation interest who um, were meditating and who had something that had like a certain quality that was just something I was interested in. I could tell mm-hmm. it was like my first friend who I met who had done um 
serious meditation I met in college and he was so peaceful and on such a different um, frequency, if you will, than like the other people we were at school with. And I remember asking him and he told me that he did this um, Vipassana meditation and I kind of filed that away in my brain. And then a few years later, I met somebody else who was had a similar energy and I asked him about it and he also mentioned Vipassana and then I was kind of ready to embark in my own journey in that and learn about it. And you kind of did the the whole um, walk in the mountains type of thing too, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I did. I, I did that. I started meditating and then soon after I, I decided I wanted to change a lot of things about my life and um, I traveled for like eight, seven months, I guess. Wow. Went to India. And went, I was in Egypt right when um, the Trier Square started. And uh, I went to Greece for a little bit, but I spent the most time in the Himalayas and in India. So that's such a foreign concept to me because I'm a, a dad with four kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, also where do you, to me. <laughs> yeah. So where do you like stay during that, that whole time? Do you, did you, did you do this all by yourself? Did you go with other people? I did this all by myself. I ended up meeting up with family at the end in Greece, but um, I did this all by myself. I found um, in India, all over India, there's these things called guest houses that are similar to like, they're like five bedroom, five to seven bedroom hotels or something. Okay. And they're really easily available. I just took a Lonely Planet. I was old school <laughs> back when like Lonely Planet wasn't something you just looked up on the internet and was a right. physical book. <laughs> right. The India book is huge. And I just brought it with me in city to city. I would check out places and stay there. And um, I made friends. I traveled with friends for a while. People I'm still in touch with now. I mean, this was nine years ago. Okay. Yeah, but ultimately I was alone the whole time, and I, I went to yoga school out there um, for the first few weeks, and I met some people there and kind of anchored my experience in that in that school. Very cool. All right. One of these days, maybe I'll become a nomad like that. That's great. All right, so Doe, so tell us what record you chose to revisit. Actually, uh, before I say what I always ask our guests, what, what record – did you choose to revisit for this episode? Wayne had had a little bit of a say in, in this. <laughs> yeah. But, so I, I had decided that I wanted to do Cheryl Crow. Right. And then you guys said globe session. So it was Wayne who, who liked globe yeah. session. Yeah. Yeah. It was totally Guilty. Wayne. Yeah. I was going to do Tuesday night music club, but once you said globe sessions, I was like, yeah, let's do it. I haven't revisited that record. I mean, Tuesday night music club is one that I, I feel like I get bits and pieces of every year, but globe sessions I haven't listened to in a long time. So it was a proper revisit. So what, what would have been your top song on, on Tuesday night? Um, you know what? I can't answer because I feel like I'm going to, I don't know off the top of my head what it would be. Um, There's so there's a lot. I, the song that always comes to me, especially when I moved to LA, was um, that one where she's talking, kind of talk singing. Like, let me look it up right now. Tuesday night. I shall believe. Oh, that's such a good one. That's yeah, a really that's, good one. That's, um, that's that's my that's my song. That might be it. That's not the one I was talking about, but that might be my favorite. Um, no, leaving Las Vegas. All I want to do. Maybe that's it. Okay. Because she does a lot of the talk singing in a lot of her songs. Yeah, and she references L.A. a lot in this record. Yeah. 
Yeah, we uh, we actually had one of the one of the musicians uh, on that record, David Ricketts, uh, from David and David. So he was one of the musicians. We had him on. Uh, good gosh, I guess what nine <laughs> nine months ago now, or more. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so That's so awesome. yeah, so we so we had a little say in the matter. So um, <laughs> Globe Globe Sessions. Let me give a little background, and then we'll 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 chat about the record. So this is her third studio album. It was released in September of ninety eight, mm-hmm. um, and uh, nominated for a number of records, including Album of the Year, Best Rock Album, and Best Engineered Non Classical Album. Um, peaked at number five on the Billboard 200 chart, and uh, the album was recorded and named. This is how this is what I wanted to know because I'm like, why are we calling it Globe Sessions? Yes. So it was re- recorded at Globe Recording Studio in New York. Oh, okay. So there you go. That's that's why because I thought, oh, well, maybe Globe Sessions. She meant that she like recorded these all over the the world. Uh, no, <laughs> I know. I remember as a kid because I was in eighth grade when this record came out. Um, when this record came out, I remember thinking maybe there's something international about it, um, but it's really not, at least content wise. Yeah. Um, I said that she was, uh, so it was nominated for a number of, uh, Grammys. So she was nominated for producer of the year at the Grammys in 99, um, because she produced this record. Um, other than I guess Rick Rubin produced Sweet Child of Mine, which is not on the CD version. Um, she didn't win Rob Cavallo one instead and i had to look this up because um he won because of his work with the Goo Goo dolls he did iris that year and then he also produced green day's nimrod so there you go um she did win best rock album hmm. well deserved <laughs> uh you guys want to know what the other nominees were i want to yeah. see if if if, okay. if you if you also believe because i i believe that she should have definitely got this uh, so Dave Matthews band crash. Wow. No doubt. Tragic kingdom. Oh, wow. Bon- Bonnie rates road tested. And then Neil Young and crazy horses broken arrow, which I, I love that record. Wow. I mean, tragic kingdom was also an yeah, epic record. I'm surprised. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so congratulations for, to Cheryl. Um, so let's see. She did get nominated. I should have looked it up. She got nominated for best female pop vocal performance for fi- my favorite mistake. And I didn't see who she, she uh, lost to, but um, there you go. Somebody else go do some research and tweet us, tweet us, tweet us about it. Um, all right. Any, any other information you guys want to talk about before we go track by track? Let's get after it. All right, let's do it. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? 12. Which means our top song is going to get 12 points. Next favorite, 11 points on Dan to the lowest score of one. Let's kick this off with my favorite mistake.
this of course was the first single from the record um song was supposedly written about eric clapton or at least it's widely believed to be written about oh, wow. eric clapton who she was in a uh, relationship with at some point um this was her fifth top 20 single in the u.s and was more popular in the in canada it was um it was a number two hit in canada so there you go good good taste up there canada um all right wayne get us started what do you like about my favorite mistake I love how uh, it musically builds. Like it starts with that really cool guitar riff. And then, then she comes in with those kind of breathy oohs. And then they layer the, the organ and then the bass. And then the drums finally kick in. And then into that first verse, which when you read it on paper is absolutely heartbreaking. But she delivers it in this real matter of fact way. Because I mean, it says, I woke up and called this morning. The tone of your voice was a warning. You, that you don't care for me anymore. Not that you don't love me anymore, that you don't even care for me anymore. It's just the, and the whole thing is full of just these, you know, tragic little, this, this relationship that's, uh, it's hard to tell if it's ending uh, or maybe basically a chronological like telling of it. Uh, but if she does it, it's, it's just, the words, when they're read, they're, they're so heartbreaking and tragic, but she delivers it very matter-of-factly, like, this is just how it goes. You're my favorite mistake. Yeah, because it seems like it's a um, a happy song, right? A little mm-hmm. bit? Yeah, yeah, my favorite sounds like something good. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you ruin it with mistake. Oh, by the way, it's mistake. Um, Doe, what do you got on this song? It's just classic. Um I, I love the melody. Uh, I also love the directness of the lyrics and how vulnerable and matter of fact they can be at the same time. And she's really good at like setting the stage, you know? So it's like we're in the morning, she's looking at the, at the clock and um, very like time after time in that way. But uh, yeah, I just, I think it's a really hooky song. And, and similarly, she's talking about something that's, um, painful and also manages to make it a really listenable song. It's not something that I think is easy to do. I was just going to ask you. So, as a singer songwriter, how do you how do you incorporate painful uh, experiences and try and turn them into a happier fare, like she did in, in this song? I definitely have a lot to learn from Cheryl. <laughs> More ways yeah. than one, but that's. I mean, I think when I want to write about something painful, I'm ready to wallow. Um, (laughs) I don't necessarily haven't mastered the, um, the art of writing the melodically happy, sad song yet. Right. Yeah. It's an art. It's gotta be tough. Yeah. It's a craft. All right. Let's get some scores. This is my eight Wayne. 11. And then doe. Yeah. This is my number one. So my 12. All right. Very good. All right. Next song is There Goes the Neighborhood.
This song was won a Grammy. Here's what I don't understand. So I just told you the Grammy stuff for that she won and lost for 98 or 99. Um, she won a Grammy in 2001 for best female rock vocal performance for this song. So was it on a live record or something that I just don't understand what the chronology is? Wayne, am, am I? Did she, uh, she did do it on uh, live in central park, I guess. Oh, is that maybe where, where it came from? That's all I could think of. All right. So, uh, so here are the other here are the other nominees. Uh, Patty Smith, "Glitter in Their Eyes." I don't know if I know that song. Do you know that song? I, no, I don't. I don't either. Uh, Alanis Morissette, "So Pure." Melissa Etheridge's "Enough of Me," and then Fiona Apple's "Paper Bag," which we already talked about. Wayne, that that's a good song. We thought that paper bag probably should have won, but yeah, I, paper bag would be my my vote. Such a good song. <laughs> uh, have you been Have you been listening to Fetch the Bolt Cutters? Oh yeah, one of the best things to happen to me in <laughs> quarantine is that record. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Um, song did not chart in the U.S. even though it was on the Billboard. Adult AAA. alternative songs chart, which I do they do they even keep a triple A chart anymore? I didn't Wayne? even know they ever did. I was uh, yeah. surprised to see that reference in uh, Wikipedia. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, number two on the triple A chart, but not on the not on the pop uh, chart. Um, and it was number four in Canada. Is she from? She's not from Canada, right? No. So why is she so popular up in Canada? That seems yeah, odd to me. You know, they're, they're strange people. They like what they <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, so Wayne, get, get us started on uh, um, my favorite mistake. One th- my favorite mistake. Let's go with There Goes the Name. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm, I've got vacation brain going yeah, on right now, guys. Sorry. I understand. Uh, I know that it didn't hold up for me as well. I remember when I, cause I do have this CD and I remember getting it and listening to it a lot. And this was, a uh, initially in that time period, it was cool. I mean, I, I got, she was, she was making these, I mean, I, I believe these references are to somebody. I don't know who many of them are. Uh, but I think she is, is making references to actual people. Um, it sounded cooler and and more clever in 1998 than it than it did. I still like the song a lot, but I I felt like it it lost something in time. Um, but I do yeah. love that the saxophone player she used is Bobby Keys, according to Wikipedia, who is who's was obviously Keith Richards' heroin buddy and did a bunch of stuff with the Rolling Stones. There you go. So does that does that get a higher score because of that? No, I just thought it was. Uh, I okay. think she used some great. Uh, she made some great. I mean, Ben Montench is in, uh, is, does organ and piano on a bunch of songs. Uh, Wendy yeah. Melvoin was uh, did guitar on the first on my favorite mistake. So she used some, for, she used some cool uh, some cool people. Yeah, I, I agree with Wayne. I don't think this aged super well. Um, I appreciate the dissonance of the song. I think it's really interesting. Like, kind of. Uh, it has some of that 
very stylistic, like Marilyn Manson uh, energy to it. But um, content-wise, I don't know. She does this really specific thing that I don't like lyrically, like the Sunshine Sally and then Cowboy Jane, these kind of names, I don't know, nicknamey things. <laughs> so that's just like a personal right. quirk that I don't like. Um, and yeah, I, I, I felt like this one didn't have the timeless quality of some of her other songs. I had to go to song meetings. I try to avoid song meetings, um, but I, I did for this one. So, yeah. All right. So Calamity Jane, probably the famous cowgirl, Calamity Jane, right? Uh-huh. So it says uh, she was an alcoholic. So being in bed nursing a swollen head may well be a reference to a major hangover. Um, schoolboy John's in jail, making a killing through the U S Mel. So this is again, that's Ted Kaczynski. Yeah. Ted Kaczynski. Uh, so they got that, the reference to the Unabomber, uh, sunshine. Sally was Sally Strouth, who was a presenter on a kid's TV program that aired in West Texas from 76 to 80. And it said, since Cheryl Crow grew up in Missouri, she probably remembered this from her teens. Again, this is all song meetings. And then, and then of course, Peter Ustinov is a British movie actor who, um, I don't know. And I, well, and that, that one, that felt like, cause this whole thing has a, cause she was probably, I mean, this was her third album. She had risen. I mean, her, her self-titled album was phenomenal also. So I think mm-hmm. this felt like, you know, she's in that Hollywood life and Peter Ustinov is more like the establishment. I don't, the, the sunshine Sally seems tenuous. The, the photo chick made to look sickly standing in the, sh- in her panties in the shower always makes me think of Fiona Apple's uh, criminal video. Oh yeah. Oh, interesting. But I love yeah. the line. We can't be certain who the villains are because everyone's so pretty. It just has this LA Hollywood lifestyle that, you know, she, uh, and it could, I'd say she references taking acid. Maybe that's, Maybe that's where it all it all fell together. I've always I've always felt like um, Sunshine Sally was Sally Struthers. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making this up. I mean, <laughs> it's it's no more different than just throwing a bunch of crap on song meetings. So you know, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of forgot the long outro and the sax at the end of the song, which I kind of like. Oh yeah, I appreciated that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I thought that I thought that this was going to be my top score, and it, it just kept slipping down. <laughs> yeah, I think in 1998 it probably would have been much much closer to the top. It's still fairly close for me, but yeah, it's it's my nine. But uh, again, when I I th- I throw stuff out uh, at the scores ahead of time, and I'm like, this is probably my 12. Yeah, no, um, Wayne, your score. Eight. And then Doe? Five. So it didn't hold up for you? <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Uh, next song is River Wide. And the tide rushes by where we stand. And the earth underneath turns to sand. And we're
I like this song way more than you guys. I think a uh, slow sprawling song mm-hmm. got some, got some strings in this. Um, this is just a great song. Like, um, how come, how come I like this way more than you guys did? Or at least for, for you, Wayne, part of it for me is the sudden, it feels like a sudden stop. Like we just did two pretty, you know, late nineties pop rock songs. And then all of a sudden it comes to a screeching halt. And I don't, I, I like the song and it, it always, it has that, uh, and it, like I say, not to take this too literal, but a kind of a Led Zeppelin when they do a co- some of those acoustic guitar songs, uh, like without the, the giant, you know, electric second half kind of thing, but just like going to California, uh, kind of a feel to it. And I, and I like that. It's just, I guess the lyrically also, I can't tell if, if he's breaking up with her or leaving her or she's going to leave him. So I had some contradictions there, but ultimately it was the sudden stop that it just, I wasn't in this, I wasn't prepared, I guess, for what was about to happen. Yeah, but knowing the first two records and you kind of know that she's going to have a bunch of ballads on the record, I kind of like it. Like my, my notes here are, um, is this good sequencing or not? Because the, the previous two records, again, they have a lot of that start and stop thing with rockers to ballads. And I don't know. I think that she kind of, this was her formula whether or not it works or not. Yeah. Cause saying that if she'd have put this one after the next one, could have maybe eased me into it. Cause I don't, I do like the song. I mean, I don't, I, I like uh, what she's, I like the acoustic guitar and, and the slowing it down thing. I just I felt like I needed something in between to, to like to slow the train down before I just sure hit the yeah. wall. Yeah. I get that. Doe, what do you got on this song? Yeah, I think this is beautiful. Um, it's, I really appreciate the the poetry of the first verse and um, and also the cadence of of the singing it's puts me in it's a little otherworldly in some ways um, but ultimately and and it was in my kind of like top third I guess but I think where I don't hook into it as much is that uh, some of the lyricism of it is a little bit like ambiguous so I even though mm-hmm. it's a ballad I don't feel like emotionally it grasps me um yeah I don't know which mo- moment this would soundtrack in my life in a way yeah like Wayne says you're not sure if he's bailing on her or vice versa yeah I think to get into a ballad you want to really like identify with what's happening for me right which I think she nails on uh, upcoming song, but mm-hmm. all right. Um, so this is my 11 and I probably scored it way too high. Wayne, your score. Uh, five. And then doe nine. And then next song is it don't hurt.
so so doe as a songwriter i gotta ask you so with this song it starts out with a chorus do you like that formula starting out with a chorus does that spoil the punchline or is it okay cool i mean i haven't done that and it makes me want to to try that out a bit more because it's like coming out of the gate and just declaring it there's something very confident about it yeah what do you think uh, I think it works for this one. I'm usually not a fan of it because um, I, I like the payoff that the choruses usually usually do. But um, I don't know. I think it works for for this song. I absolutely like I until you said that I never really I, I never really thought it flows right. It just feels right. I didn't. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. My my big question is. So while I'm doing research, so I found a bunch of web pages that talked about Cheryl's real estate holdings. Hmm. So, so you're talking about packed up and moved after all bulldozed the house and watched it fall. Um, So she was selling her LA area compound, but she also has real estate in Pensacola, Florida, an equestrian compound in Tennessee somewhere and a home in Nashville as well. So wow. I think I think life's been good so far for Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Yeah, and that's not. I bad just at all. like it. I like it conceptually how she's kind of talking, like breaking up with the or post breakup with this guy and talking about how she's remodeling the house, uh, right? With the the curtains and the uh, wallpaper and the carpet, and clearly there's some electrical issues because she's got an, an electrician in there that she's fond of, and then at the end <laughs> she says and tears the whole thing down. Right. Right. And it, and I kind of feel like um, that whole theme is the the payoff at the end with all the 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 woohoos and the guitar blazing a trail at the end. I feel like that's I, I think it's a great buildup. I love it. Oh, yeah. Like I say, it's uh, I just I loved how she she went through it with these little these little remodeling things. And then it just to emphasize it. It's not enough. That's not going to do it. If I'm, I'm, right. I'm tearing the right. whole thing down. Yep. All right. Uh, Doe, what's your score? I sort of, I feel like I gave it a lower score than I wish I did now because I gave it a four. Um, but it really grew on me. Like it has this sort of Lucinda Williams quality to it that I think I oh, would yeah. like a bit. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Wayne, your score? And I gave it a six, but I just had, there's, just, I, I really like this album and it's, this is really the top it's in that that's you know kind of second third yeah I ran out of numbers as well this is my six as well alright next song is Maybe That's Something sounds it starts out with what sounds to me like pre-production stuff kind of going on in the background and i feel like since we already heard that and there goes the neighborhood with that strange intro i don't know that that 
that crap just seems like so 90s production, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, totally. Um, lyrics are super cryptic to me. So what do you got on on this? Either one of you. What 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 do we decipher from the lyrics? Oh, I didn't even attempt to decipher them. I did not. I just, it had, it felt like it had some Sheryl Crow staples. Like this was a, just uh, for lack of a better term, filler. It had a lot of mm-hmm. elements that just felt like, it felt like a Sheryl Crow song, but not a standout Sheryl Crow. Okay. I agree. Melodically, it's right in there with her, her work. That is her specific songwriting, but the lyrically it's just too ambiguous and vague to really attach to. Yeah. That's, that was my criticism of it. Cause I'm like, um, it feels like you had the melody, but weren't sure what lyrics to put with this. So classic problem really know. in the song. <laughs> right. I know. It's a, yeah. Um, all right. Since we don't have a whole lot to say about this, um, Wayne, your score, a three, and then Doe? Six. And then this is my four. And then next song is Am I Getting Through? And it says parts one and two. is about a minute long so there you go that's the sad part i wish i mean i almost wish this had been broken up into two tracks because i much i love i really like part two um and i me too i'm not i'm not very fond i guess of part one i don't i feel like i've heard it done better i mean and the simple rhymes like she does some uh, there's she's a very talented lyricist and so a lot of this this simple rhyming um, didn't it, it, it didn't I didn't like it much and there's an odd like say there's there's something odd about the cadence yeah the I am able I spilled milk on your table that was what I I yeah I was like eh, come on Cheryl you can do better than that um <laughs> and I'm being I'm being you know critical and I've never written a proper song, <laughs> but, um, I, I will say this. I hate, I hate the sound of the phone being off the hook. I think the only sound that. that I hate worse is the sound of my alarm in the morning. That's the only sound that I think I hate worse. <laughs> um, so, so I deducted points just because of that. Don't, don't do that. Um, all right. I'm being super curmudgeonly. Uh, this is my two, Wayne. 
This is also my two. I, and like I say, just if it would separate it, it still probably would have remained two and part two would have been high, much higher. Cause I, I like yeah. the distortion in her on the voice. Um, and she uses, I think they're, they rhyme, but they're, they feel like they're a little bit more uh, complex for lack of a better word, but it's just so short. And that, that feeling of wanting more is also uh, disappointing. Yeah. And then Doe, what do you got? Again, I think this, I overlooked this one. I gave it too high of a score. I gave it a seven. Sort of wish I could change it with It Don't Hurt because I just liked it. I liked um, some of the lyrics and I, I actually did like the cadence a lot, but the phone off the hook really <laughs> bothered me. Yeah. But I yeah, really yeah, like in that totally. first verse, this, this um, little thing back to back. I spill milk on your table, then I crawl like a baby just to see if you save me. Something about that is just really good. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, next song is Anything But Down. I run the bath and pour the wine. I bring you everything that floats into your mind. You don't bring me anything but down. You don't bring me. And this was also a single, um, did better than its predecessor. There goes the neighborhood, but it only reached number 49 on the billboard hot 100 and maybe, um, so that reached number seven on the billboard adult contemporary chart. So maybe I was listening to more triple a stuff because the adult alternative songs that charted at number one. So I guess I was adult alternative back in the late nineties <laughs> here. So, so I will say this. So I, I get the benefit of seeing everybody's scores in advance. And when Wayne sent over his scores to me this morning, I immediately text him like, what the hell dude? Um, we're not supposed to have the same exact top song score. Um, the whole reason why I invited you to be my co-host is because you're so different in your likes. Um, so what, what's going on? Why are you and I both agreeing that this is the top song? Well, for me, it's personal. Like I have been both sides of this relationship. In fact, in fact I've been on both sides of this relationship with one person. Um, and <laughs> it's so that, that part when it's, it's, you know, you're, they're doing everything for you. And, and they're starting to feel some, you know, resentment. And you never find that out until after it's reached, <laughs> it's reached the point where they, they have to tell you. If they have to tell you, it's too late. Um, mm-hmm. Part that always, like, tears me to pieces is the, uh, the, the about your, you know, your eyes are blue and green and, and your steel beliefs that don't match anything you do. And the, the line that I, that I love and is the one that kind of, tip, you know, brings this song all together for me is it was so much easier before you became you. And so mm-hmm. for me, like I, as Ben knows, is I was kind of a, I would like geeky or nerdy, unpopular kid in high school. And then as I, you know, go out an adult and you're not trapped in that 
click anymore and you're not bound by what you were last year or whatever and you become yourself and you and I when I became myself I became very confrontational and opinionated and uh, like I, I had referenced in one episode about Big Mouth Strikes Again by the Smiths like that was me like I was now gonna let people know what I had to say and that's not always I can I, as I look in in hindsight to be uh, the love interest of that guy is sometimes uh, going to be difficult. And so it has this, a lot of personal meanings in the very, there's a very, there's this, there's an extreme amount of sadness in the chorus. You know, you, you, you know, you don't bring me anything but down. Like I, at one point you made them happy and they look forward to doing all these nice things for you. And now you just make them sad. So for the record, for all of your closest friends, you've always been that opinionated person. Yes. Well, in high school, the year was okay. very few people knew it. Yes. The cool kids did not know. Yeah. All right. Well, us nerds, we knew it. <laughs> yes. <All right. laughs> At some point, everybody knew. Yeah. Doe, what do you got on this on this song? Yeah, I, I give it an 11. I love this song. And um, Wayne, when you were reading those lyrics, I got the chills. I mean, it's just that last line is killer. And it's a great melody. She just writes such hooky choruses they're very simple um but also uh super nuanced in their own way and so signature i think that's something that makes her really special yeah um yeah the lyrics on this are just so good Mm -hmm. so good all right um so I, i already spoiler alert so this is my my top song wayne this is also my top song and then doe this is my second top song I consider switching. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. This is our top song. Cumulatively. All right. Um, Great song. Next song is the difficult kind. Second longest song on the record clocks in at 619. And the theme of this song is so foreign to me because I've never had to say, please take me back because, babe, I've changed. And of course, I'm a terrible liar. Um, I think we've all said that at some point in a relationship, right? Even Wayne has said that before. Oh, yes. I, I, I Being the difficult kind is, I believe, I I think my notes say the difficult kind was how a lot of people personally and professionally referred to me in 1900, (laughs) particularly. (laughs) I think this was probably my favorite rediscovery of this record. Absolutely. I agree. I think that I did not give it enough attention back in the day, especially because it's, you know, it's the one of the longer songs. And this song just absolutely slays me. Like I went back and listened to this a couple times just on its own, just because yeah. I, I love it. Such a slow burn. And I love, it's got this real, uh, 
Allman Brothers vibe. The, the song that I kept hearing oh. kind of in the background was Midnight Rider. Uh, but it's it's got this great southern rock kind of feel to it, and and I and Ben Montench is supposedly on the piano. Um, you can't go wrong there. But uh, it's just such a slow burn. Like I say, they really they this was like like you said, this is the one that I heard, and I'm like, man, I completely because all of the songs ahead of this, I listened to, I've listened to throughout the years between 1998, and I've I had forgotten about this one. A shame yeah. on me. Yeah, shame on both of us. Joe, <laughs> Joe, what do you got on this song? Yeah, this is my 10, and um, I completely agree. I was listening to the record, and then um, I forgot about this song. And when Anything But Down came on, I was like, oh, wow. And then The Difficult Kind came after, and I was like, "This is the record sort of has this interesting sequencing where it starts peaking again in this moment. Yeah. Um, and The Difficult Kind is such a slow burn. It's such a great... Um, great chorus and um yeah i love i love how confessional and direct she is uh with things that can be really hard to say out loud yeah yeah what was the line it's uh coming up the drive and there ain't nothing like regret to mind remind you you're alive mm-hmm. yeah um, wow i've never thought that <laughs> <laughs> yeah again i'm a really bad liar all right um this is my 10 as well. And then Wayne. Uh, it's a, it, a seven sounds low, but, but I, I just, I really like the songs ahead of it. Okay. Um, all right. So we're continuing our peak with uh, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. This is a Dylan song. Yeah. You guys know that? I did not know that. And I originally thought, because I had the CD, like I said, and and I saw the credits to Bob Dylan, and I honestly thought, I'd assumed at that point, that he had wrote this song for her because she nails it. And Mm -hmm. it was only um, sometime later when I, I got Love and Theft and I listened to it and heard his version and realized that he had actually recorded the song and then she discovered it and recorded it and props to her for, cause it doesn't sound anything like the Bob Dylan song. I mean, the words are the same, but the arrangement is so different. And she just, there's this vibrance that she, that she brings to this song. Um, And then when you couple in, I say my, my notes say like Darius Rucker saying, ain't Bobby so cool. The lyrics are amazing. Like it's this, this whole story but the the instances he uses, he's very he just uses very little vague details to create this long because it's almost all verses. These really short verses where he only on every three or four will say, and I you know the only thing I did wrong was stay in Mississippi a day too long. But there's just so much great stuff in it, and uh, 
And but like I say, the way she her her arrangement it just it's it it's so vibrant and it's so different. And it coupled with the lyrics, it's uh, it's always been one of my favorite songs. Was the version that's on Love and Theft was that recorded before or after Cheryl's version? Oh, and I you know what? And I didn't. I guess I didn't pay any attention because I had gotten Love and Theft so much later. I I don't know. Yeah, because I I was the research that I found was the song was an outtake from time out of mind, which was right around that time. That was like 96, 97. So that was pretty close, but yeah, to- Cheryl's version is totally different from Dylan's, but very cool. Um, Doe, what do you got on this one? Um, I gave this an eight and yeah, I really like this song. It's so, it's such a lift energetically. It's really, um, it's really high and, what I found interesting was when I had heard this record for the first time when I was a teenager, this was not a song that um, I remember can recall. But uh, revisiting it now, this song got stuck in my head a lot. And I really like her version. I didn't yeah. know it was Dylan's, and she really claims it as her own on this album. Which, again, proves my point that I've said for years, Wayne. And I was just going to say, this is my Dylan cover. And he, people who cover his songs, I mean, you can go wrong. But like I say, just uh, the one line I the line I've always loved is, my clothes are wet, tight on my skin, not as tight as the corner that I painted myself in. It's just like, he oh, is yeah. really, when he hits it out of the park, he really hits it out of the park. And like any, she does a picking this song of all the songs that he's done, I think was brilliant. Absolutely. Agreed. Uh, this is my seven Wayne. My 10. And then Doe, did I get your score? Yeah, this is my eight. Eight. All right. Next song is members only. significantly older than you <laughs> we may have to, you may have to google members only jacket which ben did you have one? <laughs> oh i had a light blue version and a dark blue version back in the day wow yeah i had two different members only jackets Ooh, I, and i hung out with you you hung out with me i know i was one of the cool kids with those with the members only jacket no i'm just kidding um yeah um Wayne, I think you like this way more than Doe and I. Yeah, and I always have, and I think I get. I think it's it's that nostalgia um, that it brings you back, and it. But I love how it it goes through a lot of these things, um, talking about Uncle Larry, and then but then there's the the next verse, which is about these days of the empty kitchens and the rise and fall of Mary Ellen's hairdo. So like you know the differences in American society, moms aren't at home and, you know, they're out working, you know, their, the hairstyles change that she's into the, the new, she, the Kabbalah, the new, at the time, the new hip religion to, to be a part of. And then uh, even then, and then the next verse about the Eastern seaboard, you know, 
being blown away and all these, so like the environmental things. And then that, then that last chorus, she blames it on the politicians. But I, I, to me, cause it always sounds like the more things change, white people still can't dance. That's the message to me. And I absolutely love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and I, for the longest time thought it was the, the politicians shake their assets. <laughs> That's funny. So, and I was completely wrong there. Um, or, or at least that's what the internet says. It says asses. So not assets. So, um, though, anything on this did, did, did you know what a members only jacket was? I did. Um, but mostly from the, the vintage run of them, <laughs> right. people started wearing them as that trend. Um, yeah, this is where in the record starts to really dip for me. Like I don't, I didn't feel like it was a strong, um, end of the record. Uh, I I couldn't relate to the song too much, although I did appreciate um, the line about looking for the two and four because I think it's really hard to be funny in songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of the specifics in the song, you can see that she's probably a, probably pretty funny, like her her perceptiveness and um, just the critique on, on what she's seeing, like studying the Kabbalah and her J Crew, but. Overall, I was just like, I wouldn't write a song about this. <laughs> and I couldn't relate to it. Yeah. And she did that thing again where I, I just, it's a personal tick, but I don't like the, from earlier when we were talking about There Goes the Neighborhood, like the Mary Ellen's hairdo, Uncle Larry, all the specifics of these My friend people. Greg. That I, I can't relate to them. I don't yeah. know who they are. It's not one person. It's, it's all over the place for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get some scores. Wayne. I gave it a nine because having uh, envied the, uh, Members only jacket. I, I, <laughs> I, I would have let you borrow mine, dude. I, 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 yeah, I don't know how I missed that. I don't like blues, yeah. not my color. Maybe that was it. That, that, that might have been it. All right, Doe, your score? Two. And mine's a three. All right, next song is Crash and Burn. Longest song on the record at 637, partly because of all the radio interference or whatever you call it at the beginning of the song, which takes 35 <laughs> seconds to get through. Come on. See, this is this is where I get critical, where I go, okay, if you had an outside producer telling you, you know, maybe this is not the right idea. Um, yeah, and I agree. I, I get the, the idea because it, like, there's a road trip kind of uh, story. Yeah. So the, I get tuning the radio, um, but 35 that, seconds. That's way too long. <laughs> and that's not even the most irritating part to me is there's a guitar that seems to be playing a different song. That's so drenched in echo that just keeps popping up here and there. Um, I did not, I was completely puzzled by that. 
Yeah. Once it gets going, I like this song. But again, once it gets going, and I feel like it takes it takes a while for it to kind of chug along to the point where I'm like it. But I remember when I had the CD. Well, I still have the CD. But when I was listening to the CD in the car, when you know we actually had CD players in cars, um, that this was usually where I popped the CD out. So. Um, so I'm, so I'm glad I revisited it because I do really like the song, but again, it, 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 it has to chug along first before I start liking it. So, yeah, I, I agree. I love the, um, openness of it, but it just takes so long to get going. And I found myself tuning out. Um, and it's kind of the opposite of the title. I like when the title somehow mirrors what's happening energetically in the song doesn't yeah. really ever it doesn't really ever have that fire in it yeah I, it's kind of uneventful for me it felt muddled and also it's funny as you see your west coast bias when you automatically assume that portland means oregon and then you're like well how did hell if she's on her way to la did she get into new mexico like where is she <laughs> <from>? <laughs> right all right wayne your score this was my lowest this okay and then doe uh, yeah, this is a three. And this is my five, and I'm looking at it going, man, I think I scored it way too high. But um, <laughs> all right. So last but not least is Subway Ride, which is actually, again, I, I brought up the this is so 90s. So this was a hidden track. Oh, wow. The hidden track, the old hidden track, Alanis Morissette uh, special. Yeah. So, and everybody and their dog in the nineties was doing that. So, and that's why I did write and I did give it extra points because I wrote, uh, one of the best besides Alanis Morissette's, uh, hidden tracks that we've, that at least we've gone over thinking specifically of Nirvana and green day. Not good. No, your house. Great song. Um, this song. Yeah, it's okay. Um, it's way better than the Nirvana song that we talked about though. Um, the, what I found was this is a song, a song stemming from the investigation in, in, in impeachment of Bill Clinton. <laughs> you needed to look that up. I had to look that up. Oh, wow. So I thought it was, I thought she telegraphed it. In fact, that's one of my, I didn't think this song was terribly clever cause she's, this commentary is kind of hitting on all of the, the touch points of the time, sitcoms and laziness. And I just didn't think it was particularly clever. But like I say, when I, I did give it a score based on 90s hidden tracks. And so <laughs> she, she did better than, than, than better. Okay. Touche. Well, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's my low score. Um, <laughs> Wayne, Wayne, what do you got? A four. All right, and then Doe. This was also my lowest score. I One thing I do find interesting about it when I was listening, I was like, oh, you can really hear how maybe somebody like Courtney Barnett has been influenced by her, her delivery. Mm. Um, but yeah, it just felt filler. And also, I think I was already pissed off because of uh, <laughs> the song before it. I was like, wait, three? Why is there is such a weak finish? So I just gave it the the one. Yeah. And, and this was one that I had to like rediscover because again, I told you that I would, I would kick out the CD after, you know, after members only. So, 
and it and it still didn't sway me even though it felt new to me it still didn't sway me but whatever and and i like bill clinton <laughs> I've I voted for him. I voted for him three times. The next time I, I voted, <laughs> like I was like, I mean, that was a that was a great eight years. I'm like, you know what? I, I actually had made a comment that I was going to vote for Bill Clinton every four years for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, <laughs> I I I would totally well I would totally welcome him back in the White House with open arms. Yeah. I'm ready for Bill. Uh, uh, me too. Me too. All right. Um, so this is where I say, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Absolutely not. I feel like this was pretty thorough. I think we nailed it. All right. Uh, I already told you what our number one is. Anything but down. Any guesses on number two? My favorite mistake. My favorite mistake. Number two. Uh, third is difficult kind. I got an average uh, score of nine, mm-hmm. and then we get we got a tie for fourth, which is River Wide and Mississippi. So that's our oh, that's nice. our top five. Nice. So let's see. There goes the neighborhood. Doe, you tank that for me. So that that's <laughs> that's our, our that's our sixth. And then, um, sorry, Wayne, we both tanked yeah. it for you for members only. So <laughs> I can live with that. It's a personal favorite. I can I can live with that. Yeah. So, so am I buying you a members only jacket for Christmas? Is that what, is that what you're saying? Oh, you know what? You do that. And I, I, that'll be my answer to what t-shirt are you wearing one episode? I'm not wearing a t-shirt. I'm wearing my new members only jacket. <laughs> what color should I get you? Burgundy or tan? Oh, tan. That's funny. I was just going to say, if you hadn't said, I was going to say that, that light brown. Oh, tan. So hideous. So hideous. <laughs> um, all right. All right, uh, Doe, this was fantastic. Thanks, Thank you for uh, uh, allowing Wayne to pick the Sheryl Crow record. Yes, yeah, it was super much. fun. <laughs> I'll never hear this record the same way. There you go. So, uh, so tell our, our listeners where they can find all your happenings. Um, it's, all, uh, it's all on Spotify and uh, Apple Music. I'm on Instagram. And how you spell my name is D-O-E-P-A-O-R-O. Very good. All right. So uh, last question, we lift this question from, well, I already talked about another Central Florida podcaster, but we're going to talk about another one for a second. Uh, So Peter, who does the Scotch and Good Conversation podcast, he asks all of his guests, who do you know that I don't know who should join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Oh, um you know what? I, two people are coming to mind. I don't know why. My um, Mike Robinson, who's a drummer that I play with, and he plays with a lot of bands. He's. I feel like he would nail this. Um, and then Misty Boyce, who's an artist that I oh, yeah. um, had. I wrote a song with recently called "The Clearing." I think you guys would have a lot of fun with her too. Very good. All right. Well, we'll we'll chat offline. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. I man the Facebook page. Just look for Records Revisited Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Podcast Records. Wayne? The Instagram is uh, Records Revisited Podcast. And then, of course, you can find all of our old episodes, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find find podcasts like this one on all those platforms please uh, go and subscribe and rate or review us 
Uh, thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Um, and when I say go to a live show, go support your favorite musicians. I'm sure they're doing something live over the interwebs, uh, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, YouTube Live. Go support them and be sure to buy a record and buy a t-shirt of the band. We are Records Revisited and we are out. out. <laughs> See, we told you it wouldn't be together. <laughs> it's so terrible, though. It has a certain charm to it.